We have a lot to talk about tonight. <laughs> a lot of scripture. How many of you like to go through a lot of scripture? Okay. There, those with your hands down, uh, you know, no problem. <laughs> I'll read a lot of it to you. But listen, I am so excited about what we're about to talk about. We're going to talk about some prophecy. You know, I, 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 in talking with some of you, you're, you always are wondering what's going on, what's next, kind of what's, what's the deal. And I really know that God has wired me to kind of take it all in. Like, I love reading about all the things. Now, tonight we're going to talk about many things, <laughs> many things. And that's why we kind of going to get started early. So, once again, I hope that in going through these situations that the Bible is going to speak about, it doesn't cause you to be fearful but or anxiety. I pray that it gives you encouragement and confidence, right? To know that God already sees what's going on and he's allowing us to take partake in it and to see what's going on. I want to read you some verses of scripture. It's in Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. This is something that I was reading and it really kind of cemented the thought of going through this tonight. It says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God. He can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So this is kind of the thought process that I had. How can I spurn you on, or I don't know how you would say it, or spawn you on to the idea of really digging in to his word? So I thought about what really does it for me. You know, I feel like if my whole reason for being here is to get you to want to read your Bible, then I'm fine with what the Lord wants to do. I really feel that that is my purpose and calling on this earth, is to get people to want to read their Bible. Because if you can get into the Bible, God will do what he, he'll keep his promises. He'll work in your life. He'll do the surgery where you need surgery. Amen. And I need surgery. Romans 13, 11 through 13. I want to read another verse. This is all the more urgent. For you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Because we belong to the day. We must live decent lives for all to see. So the question is, I always read verses of scripture and I say, okay, what does this look like in my own life? So the question is, are you sleeping? When you think about, are you sleeping, how do you know if you're sleeping? Well, you don't know that you're sleeping until you wake up, right? Think about this. Have you ever dozed off not knowing you were sleeping? Or you doze off in the middle of a conversation, those of you that are married? <laughs> not, not that the conversation is not interesting, but they're just with you. During the, 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 the highs and lows of life when you're very tired or you're very awake. There'll be times I'm talking to Shannon and I would just fall asleep and wake up and be like, what was the last part she said? It's not that it wasn't interesting. It's just I was, I crashed. All right. <laughs> now, and when you're sleeping, you dream of things that you wouldn't normally dream of or think of or do, right? Sometimes when people are in a state of sleeping, while they're walking with the Lord, they may give in to a lot of things that they normally would not give in to. They would do things that they normally would not do. That's how you can tell if you are sleeping spiritually. You're just kind of giving in. You're not fighting off temptation and all these different things. And you all, all know exactly where I'm at with this. And number three, we hate the alarm. Right? I mean, we just take the alarm off. But I wanted to tell you these verses because I want you to see that the Bible is living and active. And there are some things that I feel like if I could bring them out rightly, it will give you like some paddles that will just shock you, right? Because they shock me. <laughs> and so as we go through this, you know, when I think about the word of God, we can look at history and we know that history is proving the Bible 100%. And I can give you some examples. You know, they found where the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea. 
They found the Solomon's pillar. They found uh, wheels and axles from chariots at the bottom of the Red Sea. They found horse hooves. They found bones of, of people that, that were drowned during the Red Sea crossing. I don't know if you know this or not. They found Noah's Ark on top of one of the, the mountains in Turkey. And it's actually, they've done all of the scientific work. All of the wood is to that time period. The specifications, everything is 100% accurate. They found in Saudi Arabia, Mount Sinai, where the top of the mountain was burnt. They found the cave of Elijah. They found the altars that were set up in Saudi Arabia. They found where there were engravings of golden calves on these altars. They climbed this, this mountain. But on the way there, they saw the 70 palms and the bitter springs of Maro. And there's something that's very interesting. Now that Saudi Arabia and Israel are friends, and Saudi Arabia is now on our side, so to speak, because they see what Iran and all of these areas are doing, and that's Shiite and Sunni. So they finally decided, hey, let's get with these guys to protect us from Iran. So what the, the, the prince of Saudi Arabia was talking about doing is building a $500 billion city and opening it, opening it up for tourism and building it where Mount Sinai is. See, for years they've kept it out because they wanted to keep it hidden. But you can look at it. I mean, there's people like Bob Cornuke and Ron Wyatt and, 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 and uh, Patty and Jim Caldwell that have gone in and videotaped all of the things that they saw. They've done testing on the rocks that, that they've broken the rocks open that are that are, have the, the, uh, the fire that came down and burnt the top. So they're able to see exactly what happened, you know, because if it was just burnt, it would have burned all the way through. But they said that when it came down, it burned just the top. There, there are so many different areas that have been proven, listen, not 90%, 100% accurate. Then you in your own life, you see the Bible is 100% accurate in the way that it has regenerated. The, 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 the Holy Spirit on the inside of you is, is showing you when the, when the word speaks and it comes alive on the inside of you. You see your life and living lining up to what the Bible says or when it does not line up. And that's when conviction comes in. So we know even in our personal life that we can see this coming to pass. Then when we look futuristically, we can even see now that it's 100% accurate. You know, the Bible says in Psalms 85, 11, that in the, basically in the last days, rocks and all of these things, truth would spring forth out of the earth. You remember that scripture when it says that if you do not praise me, the rocks will cry out. I think about that as the rocks are crying out to the truth of God's word. Amen. Now, many people get full of anxiety when we talk about the last days. But listen, this is the greatest time to be alive. You can talk to an unbeliever. You can talk to a believer. And this will give you the free songs. Amen. Tonight, we're going to talk about things in Ezekiel 38 and 39. Remember, we talked a couple of weeks back about what was happening. This is kind of part two of that. We're going to talk about Isaiah 17. We're going to talk about Zechariah 12. All of these Old Testament prophecies, Daniel 9.27, technology, exploding technology, weather. How many of you know we're not in the best of weather patterns? The Bible speaks on all of these things. How many of you have been hearing about dividing up Israel? I just want, you know, these are things you may not even read this in the Bible, but I'm just saying in the news. How many of you are hearing that? How many of you have been hearing about a new temple wanting to be built? How many of you have been hearing about a peace agreement or the, the greatest deal in human history? During the seven-year tribulation, there, was, there will actually be a temple there, and there is a peace treaty that is actually signed during that time. And we see that they're even talking about that today. How many of you heard about all eyes will be on Jerusalem in the last days? Every eye will be on it. It will be like a cup of trembling. The Bible says that. And there's a couple of prophecies that are written back then that we now are, have the, the ability to see them. 
we see that we're now in the generation of understanding what the Bible has said when people that wrote them so long ago, thousands of years ago, were probably clueless to what they were seeing. So these are really three reasons why I want to talk to you about that. So I thought you'd find it interesting. I thought it would calm you, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I want, want to once again drive home the point that we need to wake up. We need to wake up. I'm telling you, I talk to so many people. There's this blanket of weariness, this blanketness where it's like people are just sleeping, so to speak. And, and I want to just put the alarm loud. Right where it just wakes us all up. And I'm just not, I'm not talking about here. I'm talking about everywhere. I'm telling you, it's like that everywhere. You, you fight, you're fighting it in your own self. You're fighting love growing cold, right? All of these things that the Bible says will be in the last days. Don't, not even looking at your neighbor. Look how it's affecting us. And that's how I begin to see things and, and want to expose them, so to speak. And number three, once again, to show you how impeccably, 100% with pristine accuracy, you can put all of your faith and trust in what the Bible says. Amen? So number one, Israel is always God's prophetic timepiece. You probably have heard that before. How many of you really read prophecy or study prophecy or you're clueless about what prophecy is? You can raise your hand both. Okay, no one. Wow. Okay, so we're going to try to do remedial <laughs> We're going to try to do high school and college, all right? Matthew 24, 32 through 35. Listen, before I go any further in this, I just want to say, I'm also going to give you some of the interpretations that are out there, okay? I'm not telling you that, that this is my interpretation or what I believe or anything like that. What I'm trying to tell you is because when you're going to hear these different thought processes, at least you'll know why you're hearing them, okay? I just want to... Put that, because I don't want you to go around and say, Kelly said he know who the Antichrist is. That's not true. <laughs> All right? Okay. Now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branches has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So you too, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near right at the door. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away but my words will not. So here's two questions that probably spring out in this text. What does the fig tree have to do with Israel? And how long is a generation? <laughs> right? Okay. Hosea 9.10 says, I found Israel like grapes in the wilderness. I saw your forefathers as, as the earliest fruit on the fig tree in its first season. Now look at this in Joel chapter 1, 6 through 7. For a nation has invaded my land. Now watch this. Mighty and without number, its teeth are like teeth of a lion, and it has the fangs of a lioness. It has made my vine a waste. And let's, look, look at this part. And my fig tree splinter. So once again, land and fig tree. It has stripped them bare and cast them away, and their branches have become white. This is a picture of Israel being taken away from its national privileges. Because when you look in the Bible and Matthew, say like Matthew 24, when it talks about trees and whatnot, these are symbolic for a reason. You need to understand that an olive tree represents the, the religious privileges of Israel. And then when you look at the vine, it represents the spiritual privileges of Israel. Once again, just like us, we're connected in the vine and we're connected to Jesus and we have spiritual power when we're connected. But the fig tree represents the national privileges. That's why when you go to Israel, you'll see on some of the government buildings, it's actually a fig tree or a fig leaf on the building because it's a representation of the national privileges. Now, when you look in Matthew 24, it says the generation that sees all these things, we're going to see all kind of things happening. We'll see the coming of the Son of Man. So basically, if you, if you take a generation and say, a generation is the people that were living during 1948 when they became a nation, we'll see, as, before that generation dies off, we'll see the coming of the Son of Man. Or you can look at it kind of like the World War I generation, before that entire generation dies off, right? So we're looking at a generation, a time period, and we're not hemming in certain time. Now, let me give you an example of why this can get you in trouble. You remember a book 
that was written in 19, probably in the 80s. And it was uh, 88 reasons why Jesus is going to come back in 1988. <laughs> okay, it was, it was one of those books. Basically, what they did was, I'm just going to give you the, the bottom line premise of it. They took 1948 when Israel became a nation and took 40 years as a generation and said, you got to come back within that generation. Now, that's where you could get in trouble. And then people say, I don't want to have anything to do with prophecy because they're date setters and they put numbers, right? And all that stuff. And it kind of depletes you of wanting to study Bible prophecy. But here's what we know. Psalms 102.16 says this, for the Lord will appear. The Lord will rebuild Jerusalem and he will appear in his glory. In other words, we know that we're living in the time of the end because Israel will begin to blossom like a fig tree. We have gone to Israel last year and we can tell you from firsthand experience, Israel is exploding. As, as you know, moving right up until being one of the top nations on the face of the earth. The Bible says in the last days that Israel would get their language back. There was a man named Eleazar ben Yehuda who, cre who created words for words like computers and pencils and all this. They speak Hebrew today. They would have a great military. If you read in Ezekiel, it talks about the bones coming together. That's a picture of Israel becoming a great and mighty army. It says that they stood up. It says, and then it says that their land would be full with agriculture and fruit. And they are literally one of the top exporters, even today. This once barren wasteland is now one of the top exporters to the world of fruit. And then they're leading in scientific and medical breakthroughs. There were some doctors and scientists in Israel that I heard say a couple, probably about a year ago, they said within a couple of years, they should have a cure for every disease known to man. Think of that. Not saying that's going to happen, but they're on the track of recognizing that they have all of the technology that they need to accomplish these tasks in front of them. You still with me? Psalms 102.18, this will be written for the generation to come that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. This word generation to come means the final generation. The, the last generation is what it says in the Greek. Now, this is where you could get in trouble into numbers, but I'm going to tread in that because I thought you'd find it interesting anyway. But I'm not saying it's going to happen within these times, but I know you, you're kind of interested. Just, just so when you hear stuff, you'll know why you're hearing it. So the question is, how long is a generation? So if it's 50 years, if it's 70 years, if it's 100 years, right? That's some of the thoughts that are out there. This was very interesting. Once again, I'm not saying it's a time period, but this is very interesting. If it's 50 years, well, let me read you a verse, Psalm 90, verse 10. 70 years are given to us. Some even live to 80. But even the best years are filled with pain and trouble, and soon they will disappear and we will fly away. So if some of you are here more than 80, wow. That's, that's, that's pretty good. I mean, you're, you're literally beyond this verse. Now look at what it says. And listen, these are all different because Israel went into captivity. They lost time period, so to speak. That's why they have something called the Talmud. It's kind of oral tradition. So nobody knows exactly these time periods. In other words, you can't go to Genesis and see the exact time period and, and figure out what year we're in. It's kind of like a, you got to just kind of figure it out. And there's some that have oral traditions. There's some that say that we're in the year 5778. Some say we're in the year 5779. Uh, we don't know those things. But I can tell you this. This is the belief that is out there. If it's 50 years from 1967 to 2017 or 2018, within that year, is 50 years when Israel took over the Temple Mount. And remember the battle of 1967. That's a significant time period in the history. So at 50 years, it wraps up in 2018. Then if you look at 70 years, which we just celebrated last week. I don't know if you saw that. We moved our embassy in, on May the 14th from 1948. The 70 year wraps up in 27, 28, 2017, 2018. 
So that fulfills a generation. And if it's a hundred years, remember the Balfour Declaration in 1917 was signed. And that's when they acknowledged Israel as potentially having their own land, which is really interesting when you think about it, because though that is a significant time in, Jew, in Jewish history. So when you look at that, literally 2018 kind of wraps up all of what these generations would end up being, but I'm not saying it's within a time period. I'm just saying that's very interesting. So don't go away and say, Kelly said the raptures. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying, look, I want to be able to share with you, because we're friends, right? Some thoughts that are out there. I don't want you to, like, I'm telling you, I don't necessarily agree with that, but I look at those things and say, wow. And that's all I want you to do. Look at those things and see for yourself. You know, because I'm not telling you it's going to be within that time. I got to keep telling you that. I don't necessarily believe that. I say that's very interesting. Number two, wars in rumors of wars. Now, when you look at what's happening, you remember we talked about Ezekiel 38 and 39. Basically, what is happening is you see the nations that when you look on, the old, on, the, on an old map, it's Magog and Persia and all these things. Well, when you take them and you talk about them in today's terminology, it is Russia, Iran, and Turkey. How many of you have been seeing that on the news? Russia, Iran, and Turkey. And what they're doing is they're in Syria. The Bible says they come out of the north place, which is the coming to Syria, and they go after Israel. Now, what's very, very interesting, I'm going to show you a couple of pictures. Don't get hung up on the pictures. <laughs> I got to be careful, man. Y'all going to attach me to some of these things. But I just want to tell you, after Iran and Turkey tries to expand anti-allegiance alliance to Jordan, what I found interesting about the article is it talked about the Sudan and Libya coming in. Remember, that's the other two nations that come against Israel. Talking about this in our own lifetime. Let's look at the the next picture. Jerusalem Post says, Erdogan says, Turkey will not allow Israel to steal Jerusalem for the Palestinians. This was just recent when they moved in and, you know, when we put our our, uh, embassy in Israel, this came out. So basically, the guy who's running Turkey is trying to rebuild the Ottoman Empire, which is anti-Jewish. Okay, and they're trying to take over the land, basically, of Israel. Now, this was really cool. So I'm going to share with you once again as friends. All right. Ezekiel 38, verse 13, Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish with all its villages will say to you, have you come to capture spoil? Have you assembled your company to seize plunder, to carry away silver and gold, to take away cattle and goods to capture a great spoil? Now, Sheba and Dedan in the Bible is Saudi Arabia. And they, some of, some translations say Tarshish are the young lions. So which leads people to think that it's possibly because Britain is a lion, possibly the young lions could be America that came out of that. So basically what you have is you have the young lions in Sheba and Dedan on the sideline, not engaged in the battle saying, have you come to take a spoil? Now, I don't know. I was watching. Uh, Judge Janine Pirro, he was, she was talking in uh, May 19, May 19, 2018. I want you to hear the, the terminology that Benjamin Netanyahu said. This is the transcript. But Iran, this is Janine Pirro talking. But Iran now is aligning itself with Russia and has its proxy in Syria. And Netanyahu says, yes, I think Iran wants to move its army to Syria now that the war against ISIS is winding down there. And Janine Pirro said, really? And this is what Netanyahu said. Yes, well, yes, because I think they're in competition now for the spoils, if you will. I thought that was interesting. Nobody calls anything spoils anymore. And yet he said this, and we know that they found gold that they're planning on using in the new temple, and they found oil and all these things, and we know that Turkey, Iran, and Russia are struggling financially. Isn't it amazing that God can see what's in the heart of these people and their reason for coming against Israel, but they're saying, oh, it's because of this and that, but God Almighty is telling us the motive behind what's happening, even to the point that Saudi Arabia has been against Israel for so many years, and all of a sudden, it's Turkey that has flipped, because people in Israel used to take vacations to Turkey, 
And so now you have them, they flipped over, and now you have Saudi Arabia that is friends with Israel, and you have Turkey that is against. That's amazing. Now look at, so the question is, what could possibly cause this to happen? Well, many people go to Isaiah 17, and you might know this as well in the news. Behold, Damascus is about to be removed from being a city and will become a fallen, ruinous heap. That means something happens in, in Syria that we also see right now. Remember, the United States did a military attack on April 13th and bombed some areas. Remember, they went in there because they were gassing their own people. And then we also see that Israel came in and bombed some areas. And we know that Russia and Iran, as well as Turkey, have troops there even now. So once again, we can see that if this continues to happen, not to mention if they find some, you know, bombs or some gas or chemical explosion, you would not be able to live there. But the Bible tells us that that place will become a ruinous heap. It means it will be unlivable. So I just want to encourage you, as you watch the news, just watch for these things. Watch for these different battles that are taking place, and you will see. Now, look at, let's look at another one that, that, uh, that popped up on the radar last week or week before last. Jerusalem would be center stage. Zechariah verse 12, um, chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. I will make Jerusalem like an intoxicating drink that makes nearby nations stagger when they send their armies to besiege Jerusalem and Judah. On that day, I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock. All the nations will gather against it and try to move it, but they will only hurt themselves. This is happening right before our eyes. This is amazing. I don't know if, I don't know if you get excited when you see the Bible spring off the newspaper, but I tell you what, it, it, man, I start running around the house. My dog is like this. But when I see that, I'm like, wow, God, this is amazing. How did you know? Once again. But listen, the Bible says in the last days there would be something that happens that all of the nations that will want to come against it. And it says it will be like an intoxicating drink. Did you see the vote out of the United Nations? Let's look at the picture. Think about this. 128 nations were, were in this, were looking at this situation, and you had nine. See, this, this is actually backwards. I'm sorry, the, the way that it printed up. There was 128 nations that were against the move. Okay, so that's a, um, uh, I grabbed the wrong picture. <laughs> 128 nations that condemned the move, there were nine that stood with it, and there were 35 that abstained. Out of the 35 is like Guatemala and these other areas, and they're coming in and actually moving their embassy. Now, once again, this shows us the, the, the anger towards Jerusalem. You know, when you look at all the situation that's going on, you had people, I don't know if you know, but they were sending in these people in Gaza. They were, Hamas was sending in these terrorists to pay people to go to the border and Israel would have to shoot them because they had weapons and bombs and stuff strapped to them. And all you heard in the news was that Israel was killing Palestinians, but really they were defending themselves against the border. So I'm just want to tell you that just because you see things in the news, only God knows why and what is happening. And don't buy in one side or the other. Just kind of stay neutral and watch that stuff as it goes. All right. Now, number four, there's talks of forming a coalition of nations. Now, once again, you can see a picture with a guy. I'm not saying this guy is the Antichrist. Okay. Because I'm telling you, listen, the one thing that I've learned in studying prophecy, there are things that pop up on the radar that look a certain way that are not necessarily that, okay? So don't pay attention to the guy, so to speak, but pay attention to the terminology and the things that are being said nowadays. France needs a new king. This is according to GQ magazine. And then there's another picture. Emmanuel Macron, the new king of Europe. Listen how they're talking about a king. In Europe. Now, I don't know if you know about the, the European Union. It's basically was a group of nations that got together. And there's actually the legend of Europa, which is a woman that is riding a beast. Just interesting. 
And actually, if you go to Brussels, Belgium, in front of the, the, the place, they have a woman, a, a woman riding a beast statue. So I'm not saying, I'm saying that's probably it. <laughs> I'm going to say that. That's, the European Union is probably that, na- that ten nation coalition that comes together. But once again, I want to show you something that, that was said about the European Union. Paul Henry Spack, who was one of the, the European Union creators, I guess you could say, in 1957. This is what he says. We do not want another committee. We have too many already. What we want is a man of sufficient stature to hold the allegiance of all people and to lift us up out of an economic morass into which we are sinking. Send us such a man, and be he God or the devil, we will receive him. Think about that. That was said in 1957. Now look at this picture. This is a guy, he's one of the presidents uh, that's actually in the European Union. This is what he said. Europe would be easier to understand if one captain was steering the ship. He said this in September of 2017. And again, in February 14th, he said this, having a single president would simply reflect the true nature of the European Union. Then he said Europe would function better. Now, this is really crazy. But once again, listen, I'm not saying this guy is the Antichrist. Listen, I be- I, I believe that he's revealed after we're gone. You know, people can take issue with that. That's just what I believe the Bible teaches. I know there's pre, mid, and post. And people get hung up on prophecy, and they stop at that and say pre, mid, and post. And it, and it causes people to run scatterbrain. But listen, we don't know. It's going to happen the way the Lord allows it to happen. I can tell you if it's pre, praise God. If it's mid, hold on. <laughs> right? And if it's post, stand strong. Right? I mean, basically, but listen to this that I saw last week. Let's look at the next picture. This guy, once again, I'm, okay, I'm not going to say that again, is putting together a a coalition of the willing. Now, watch the next picture. If you read under it, it says, French President Emmanuel Macron will bring together a 10-nation coalition of the willing next month. To, and basically what he's saying is we need to bring a 10-nation coalition to whenever things pop off or they have different... <laughs> pop off. Nathan. <laughs> when things happen, they'll have an a organization that will be able to come in and police the situation. This is what he said. He will bring together a 10-nation coalition of the willing next month designed to prepare Europe armed forces to take action in emergency. Listen. This is what the Bible tells us in the last days. It tells us this in Daniel, and it tells, and Daniel tells us this in the book of Revelation backs what Daniel is saying. Now watch this. Are you still following me? You're not all over the place? Okay, praise God. So there's a 10-nation coalition. Now once again, I'm not saying this is the 10-nation coalition, okay? I'm just saying look at the terminology. Not 9, not 8, not 7, not 12. 10. Now look at what Daniel says in Daniel 7, 7 through 8. After this, I kept looking in the night vision and behold a fourth beast, dreadful and terrifying and extremely strong, and it had large iron teeth. It devoured and crushed and trampled down the remainder with its feet. And it was different from all the beasts that were before it. It had 10 horns. While contemplating the horns, behold, another horn, a little one, came up And three of the first horns were pulled out by the roots before it. And behold, this horn possessed eyes like the eyes of a man and a a mouth uttering great boast. Now in Daniel 7, 23 through 24, as you go down a little further, it says the fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which will be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth and tread it down and crush it. As for the ten horns out of this kingdom... Ten kings will arise, and another will arise after them, and he will be different from the previous ones and will subdue three kings. Once again, it's saying the same thing. Now watch when you get to Revelation 17, 12 through 13. Then the ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but they receive authority as kings with the beast for one hour. These have one purpose, 
They give their power and authority over to the beast. So basically what it's saying, these ten horns and ten kingdoms represent ten nations that come together. And out of that ten comes the man of sin or the antichrist that comes to rule the world. That's what these verses are saying. So I'm only saying, once again, these are ten nations that the Bible is talking about. Look at the terminology. Listen, when you look at what the Bible says and you're looking at things that are happening right now, listen, it is not a coincidence. If anything, hear that. Now, once again, number point number five, technology in a generation of knowledge. In Daniel, it says, but as for you, Daniel, conceal these words and seal them up until the time of the end, which is now. Many will go to and fro, and knowledge will increase. This is knowledge of prophecy. This is knowledge of, of, of things in, in the future considered back then. If you think about it, from the Garden of Eden till 1900, everybody rode horses, right, basically. And then from 1900, you have people flying in airplanes. You have cars. You have people traveling to space. That is traveling to and fro. You know, I was looking at a verse of scripture. When you look in Israel and you and you come to Israel, you land in a place at the Ben Gurion Airport, which is in Tel Aviv. Now, there's a verse in Isaiah 11:14 that is always makes you scratch your head, but for the first time we could understand what this verse is saying. It says, "But they shall fly down upon the shoulder of the Philistines towards the west." Now, let's look at this picture. This is an over uh, a picture of Israel. Ashdod, we actually stayed in. That's the land of the giants. <laughs> they were gi- they weren't giants when we were there, though, just so you know. <laughs> and then all of these nations that go that are go a- along the coast is where the Philistines basically rule around Tel Aviv, Joppa, and all these areas. Now look at what it says. There's a word that is used for fly. It's the word that talks about birds flying. Or it talks about doves flying in Psalms. It even talks about the cherubims flying in 2 Samuel. It's the same word. So it's not hyperbole. Or it's not, you know, it's, it means something else. It's literally flying. So this is what it says. When you look at it, they shall fly down upon the shoulder of the Philistines. Now when you look at this picture where, that, where the, uh, the plane is, there's a little spot. It's called the katef. And it means shoulder. It's the high level where it's the upper part of the land. So basically what it's saying is that there will be a time when people will be able to fly in on the shoulders of the Philistines. That is a verse that no one understood until now. And it's showing us that Isaiah said this all of these years ago. And he must have looked crazy to people around him. But today we can see it happening before our eyes. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Now look at this, Revelation 1, 7. The Bible talks about he is coming with clouds and every eye will see him. Now this is probably the elementary version that you would know, right? How is every eye going to see Jesus when he comes back? And then there's two witnesses that are killed in the book of Revelation and the whole world watches them as their bodies lay in the street for three days. And then God miraculously raises them from the dead and everybody sees this. How would you think that this would be possible what you think? Satellite, Facebook, right? <laughs> Facebook, no. Satellite, cell phones, we can see things happening on point. Could you understand this back in the day? How would the whole world see this happen? We are the generation that can understand this for the first time. Then there's another verse. Think about this written in the days of John. He required everyone, small and great, poor and slave, to be given a mark in their right hand or their forehead. And they cannot buy nor sell. Think about that. How in the world could that be? We see that today, the possibilities. Now, we don't know what that is, but we can, we, we can, we're in the ballpark of seeing how this can happen. Once again, we're the generation of understanding. And you see, like it says, when you see all of these things, we're, we're in the generation that is seeing prophecy after prophecy happening. I mean, it is absolutely amazing when you think about it. Then you look at the earth, earth's groanings. Remember in Luke 21, it says there will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars. Earth 
dismay among nations, perplexity at the roaring of the seas and the waves, men feigning from fear of expectation of the things which are coming upon the world. And the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And they will say the Son of Man is, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. But when these things, listen, begin to happen, begin to happen, right? We've been seeing this. When we begin to see, lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing nigh. Think about that. The thing that always struck me about these verses, it's in the context of the second coming, not the rapture. When you see all these things, because he's answering the question, when are you coming back to set up your kingdom? That's at the end of the tribulation period. So he's saying when you see all these things happening, so if they're happening now, how close are we? That's the question that we must ask. Now, what is this saying? What is he telling us we should be seeing? The signs and the sun, moon, and stars. I know if you've heard of the blood moons and all these things, and some people try to write that off, but listen, those things fell on feast days, and things happened in conjunction with that. We've seen ISIS was born during that time. We see that Israel began getting turmoil when that last eclipse. How many of you were outside when you saw one of the last solar eclipses? That was a, that was prophetic. That was biblical understanding. The moon shall be turned to blood and the sun shall not give its light before the great and terrible day of the Lord. Now, when you look at that word, when it talks about dismay among the nations at the roaring of the seas. Okay. If you remember when the tsunami hit in, in, uh, in, I have it written down in Indonesia. It was around Christmas time. There were some people that were in one of the top balconies, and they were Muslim. And when they gave their interpretation of what happened, in other words, when they talked to the news, this is what they said. They said when they heard it, it sounded like an echo. This word is echo in the Greek. When you look at the roar of the, of the waves, it, the word is echo. They heard the roaring of the waves. I'll give you another one. When you look at the hurricane that happened uh, in Peru, I'm, I'm sorry, in uh, Puerto Rico, there was a news, a news person that I watched a video, and he said it sounded like a woman in labor. Now, these are secular people saying things that the Bible says in the time of birth pangs. So, it's amazing because when you see all of this, it's talking about flooding. It's talking about, you know, when you look at the days of Noah, what happened? The, the ground opened up. There was, you know what causes that to happen? An earthquake. When the plates shift, the fountains of the deep open. That's what causes tsunamis. Not to mention the rain from the top. I mean, it, 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 it shouldn't strike us odd at all the flooding that has taken place. That's how it is in the days of Noah. And we're living through this right now. So even though we see these things and we're looking at hurricane season coming up, we can still have confidence and assurance that God is not up there saying, oh, man, I forgot about that. He sees everything. He knows everything that's happening. And God will bring us through to the other side. Then it says this in Joel 2.30 through 31. I will display wonders in the sky and on the earth, blood, fire, and columns of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord. We're wrapping up pretty soon here. Now, when you look at this, the question was the blood moons and the sun turn into blood. The question was, how do we know that's at the time of the end? Because of this verse right here. It tells us, look at it again. It says, the sun will be turned into darkness. I'm sorry, back up to verse 30. Blood, fire, and columns of smoke. This is volcanic activity. From 2015, before all of these blood moons started happening, the Smithsonian showed all of the volcanoes that were erupting. And in fact, geologists have said that we must be in a season of volcanic activity. So you know you're living in the last days when you see the signs, the sun, moon, uh, uh, sun, the, the, the eclipses and all these things accompanied with volcanic eruptions. And how do we know that? 
When you look at lava, it looks like blood. So when you see the, the Joel writing this, he's seeing these things. The Lord's allowing him to see. But that wasn't what really cinched it for me. It says, normally the word for a column is the word amud. But Joel uses a word called timara. T-I-M-A-R-A-H. And this is what it means. It's a cloud that has a column appearance. Now look at this picture. I was looking at some pictures at the, at, through the Atlantic. Look at what it says. The Calbuco volcano erupts on April 22nd, 2015 due to the eruption of the volcano, volcano with a smoke column 20 kilometers high. So even it's using a, a picture of a column. And we know that this is what Joel was talking about because this is the Hebrew word that he used. So in 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, it's been massive. I mean, I'm not going to spend the time to go over all of them with you, but you can look that up yourself. And it is an enormous amount of volcanoes. And in fact, we're in the process of seeing one right now. And they say that, it, you know, if it comes to America... Look out, Mount St. Helens and all these other areas. But once again, no anxiety. Not all kind of people going to die because God got to take the Christians out. The Bible don't say that all the Christians died during a volcano, <laughs> right? It don't say that. It says that we're taken, we're taken out. Now let's look at something else. I'm telling you, we're wrapping up. War technology. I'm going to read you a verse of scripture that there's no way you could understand this back in the day, but you can see it today. Joel 2, 5, are you getting okay with this? We're, we're, I'm telling you, we're going quick. <laughs> Joel 2, 5 through 9. With a noise as of chariots, they leap on top of mountains like the crackling of a flame of fire consuming the stubble, like a mighty people arranged for battle. Before them, the people are in anguish. All their faces turn pale. They run like mighty men. They climb the wall like soldiers. And they each march in line, nor do they deviate from their paths. They do not crowd each other. They march everyone in his path. When they burst through the defenses, they do not break ranks. They rush on the city. They run on the wall. They climb into the houses. And they enter through the windows like a thief. Now, what is that? <laughs> right? Does anybody know? I'm just curious. <laughs> Look at what they call tanks in Israel. It's, they're called Merkavas. Look at the picture. Now think about this. This chariot is able to run on top of mountains, go over stubble, shoot fiery darts, fiery ammunition. And, and the thing about it is when you look up that word chariot in the Hebrew, it's Merkava. Guess what the name of their tanks are called? Merkava tanks. The greatest tanks on the face of the earth. Could it be that Joel was seeing this when he's trying to describe it? Because what else was he describing? And not to mention, the Jewish people were probably like, oh, that's cute. Let's call our chariots Merkava. So either way, you have something said thousands of years ago, and we can see it today. Amen? Now look at Zechariah 14, 12 through 13. This is the plague that the Lord will strike all the people who have gone to war against Jerusalem. Their flesh will rot while they stand on their feet and their eyes will rot in their sockets and the tongue dissolve in the mouth. Think about this. What on, on earth is this? This could be something that the Lord strikes the enemies of Israel or it could be a neutron bomb. If you know a neutron bomb, I just found this out as I was looking it up. A neutron bomb, if it were to go off, it would leave the buildings intact and dissolve every living thing. And they've actually, the only people that have this is China, uh, Israel, and America. And you can actually see video of neutron bombs going off. I mean, it's, it's amazing. But once again, you got to remember, Zachariah is seeing this and he's like, what on earth is this? So they describe what they know. Okay? So once again, we see a city that is destroyed in one hour. In the book of Revelation, chapter 8, 18, 9 through 10, it says, And the kings of the earth who committed acts of immorality and lived sensuously with her will weep and lament over her when they see the smoke of her burning and standing at a distance because of the fear of her torment, saying, Woe to the great city Babylon, the strong city, for in one hour your judgment has come. Now, when 
Rome, when Nero burnt Rome, it took six days to burn it. You think about this now. Look at this. These people are seeing a, a, a city burned within an hour and they're standing off out of the fear of the smoke. Could that be nuclear radiation? So you see, once again, we don't know. I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying, look at the generation that could understand the effects of things that were written all of these years ago. Now, the last thing I want to show you is this. And here's where we're going to get into the life application, which is, in fact, you could probably almost stand. (laughs) There's a poster that I saw in September 2017, and it's a piece uh, it's, it's supposed to that the UN comes out with every year and it's to, it's like a 21 day deal that they, it's, it's called the day of peace and they always use a slogan. This year's slogan was, look at the picture, together for peace, respect and safety and dignity for all. I'm going to read you a verse of scripture. First Thessalonians chapter five, verses three through 11. While they are saying peace and safety. I mean, that's pretty cool. I'm not saying, once again, it's that time period, but look at the terminology that is being used. Destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman. And here's where I'm going with this. Here's the life application. We're going to look at personally. This is personal, what we do personally. Look at this. But you, let let me back up. Destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with child. Once again, we're talking about labor pains. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day would overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. For those who sleep do their sleeping at night, and those who get drunk get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet of hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath. Amen. I like that verse. But for obtaining salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So personally, are you sleeping? Because here's the part when people talk about, this is what did it for me. I'm telling you. They always say, well, you can't know you know, what the Lord's talking about, because the Bible says he comes like a thief. But if you read these verses of Scripture, he's coming like a thief to those that are sleeping. If you read it, if you go back and read 1 Thessalonians 5, 3 through 11, he is coming for those that are sleeping. I want to read you another verse. So that's personally. Our personal life application is wake up. Now let's look at the church of Sardis, what we could do as a church. Revelation 3, 1 through 3. Once again, look at it. To the angel of the church at Sardis, or to the pastor of the church at Sardis is what this word translates to. He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this. I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die. For I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. So remember that you have received and heard and keep it and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief. Did you catch that? Who is he coming to, to the church of Sardis? Those that are sleeping in the church. Listen, Jesus not sneaking up on me. I think about the rapture all day, every day. And he's not intending to sneak up on us. Now, I'm not saying we know the time and all that. I'm just saying we should always be alert, awake. And watching all of the things that are happening, that's what he expects. He doesn't expect us to put a date or a time. He expects us to watch and to live our life as though he can come back at any moment. And that's what Paul was telling them. They obviously had expectation that he could come back then. Right? So the things that we can do as a church, strengthen the things that you are already doing. Whatever you're doing for the Lord right now, strengthen that. Don't let it go by the wayside. Don't get bored in it. Don't, you know, when you go to next steps class and all of these things, take that as saying the Lord is wiring me a certain way to put my talents 
in the context of serving in the church. And I'm going to strengthen that by getting involved in going forward. Listen, there's coming a time where you and I will stand before God and all that we will have is what we did. What better place to get started and plugged in to the church of Jesus Christ where you will learn how to get your marching orders of what God has wired you to do and serve in the church and serve in the community. That is the greatest thing you and I will ever be part of. That is what we will stand before before God and have. That is our treasures that are being stacked in heaven. Amen. Now, can we stand? I want to read you another verse, and this is it. <laughs> Look, man, we, we, I, we're over, but I promise I'm, we're not going to talk about it long like this no more. Praise God, Nathan. Nathan's always like, you went over. Let me read you a verse. As a servant, okay? As a servant. So as a, as personally, we can apply these things as a church and as a servant. Look at this verse. Matthew 24, 42. I'm not going to tell you how far we're going, but you probably can see it. <laughs> but listen to this. Really listen to it. Watch it on the screen. Therefore, be on alert, for you do, you do not know which day your Lord is coming. Right? We've said that. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on alert and would have not allowed his house to be broken into. That's common sense, right? For this reason, you must also be ready. The Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will, except for Kelly because he thinks he's coming all the time. <laughs> it don't say that. Who then is the faithful, watch this, insensible slave whom his master put in charge of his household to give them their food in the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master finds doing so when he comes, truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all, his, all of his possessions. Listen, during the millennial kingdom, you and I, when, when we're given things to do, we will stand before God in faith. If we are found faithful, God will put us in charge of things in the kingdom, and that's going to be amazing. Now watch this. But if that evil slave says in his heart, my master is not coming for a long time, and begins to beat his fellow slave. That's kind of nervy, huh? Like, you, you that worldly? You just beat somebody? If you've got a temper problem, there's any healing. But watch this. To beat his fellow slaves and eat and drink with drunkards. Listen. So the master of that slave, are you catching that? Will come in a day when he does not expect him. In an hour when he does not know. Once again, the faithful slave is watching. He's in, he's partaking in the things that the Lord has called him to do. But look who, who he's coming as a thief to, the wicked slave. Are you getting that? So we can take that about, oh, we don't have to, we don't know anything. He's just going to come when he comes. No, we need to be watching. We need to have one, one eye on earth and one eye on heaven. And if you can look another way, you can keep one eye on hell, knowing that man, we're in the middle of the greatest evangelistic time ever on the face of the earth. I would have loved to be alive during the time of Jesus. But listen, this here, right here is the greatest time for you and I to be living. Now watch this. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may be kind of worthy to escape all these things that are coming upon the earth. Cue the music. I just want to stand here before you. And I just want to say, I don't know where you are in your own personal life. But number one, I want you to have confidence in the Bible. I really want you to be able to read it and, and really take it to heart. Read, really know that it means what it says, right? It's amazing. You and I get to take part of the Bible. We get to read the Bible. We get to apply the Bible. We get to watch God come alive through his word. And at the same time, we have the privilege of keeping our hand on the plow and doing the work of the kingdom. Now, I don't know where you are tonight, but you might be able to say, man, I didn't even know anything about this, but I know that I'm not where I should be with the Lord. And I want to give you an opportunity right now because if the trump were to sound, you do not want to be left here. And I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just being honest with you. And if you could say, I, I want to come into the kingdom of God. I don't want to be here during all that time. We didn't even talk about what that's going to be like. But if you could say, you know what? I don't know the Lord and I want to know him tonight. I just want to see you lift your hand and I'm going to pray with you to receive Jesus 
tonight. And I know this is Wednesday night, and I know that many people come that already know the Lord. But if you do not know the Lord, I'm going to give you an opportunity. Let me see your hand. Praise God. Good. Praise the Lord. Now listen, if you're sleeping spiritually, I want to pray that the Lord will wake you up. Come on, join in, in with me as we pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, that even though I may be asleep spiritually, come on, if that's you, you just admit it to the Lord. You don't have to admit it out loud, but Lord, I'm sleeping spiritually. Lord, I ask that you would awaken me to your, your kingdom, that you would awaken me to the power of, of the kingdom of God. And Lord, that you would allow me to partake in, the, in, in what you've called me to do. Come on, can you make a decision tonight? Whatever the Lord has been dealing with you on, whether it's to leave something behind, some specific, some specific pet sin or some immorality or something that you know the Lord is not wanting you to move forward with. Come on, leave that, leave that. Just move away from it. And Father, I thank you right now that your children, Lord, will be mighty in these days. And Lord, I'm asking that you would awaken them out of their slumber, out of their sleep, Lord. God, that you would count us worthy to escape all these things. And Lord, I just pray right now, as we continue to move forward during this time, that we would be mindful that you are coming back and mindful of the things that you've called us to do. God, we love you and we thank you right now for allowing us to be part of this time, in time harvest. In Jesus' name, I pray and ask. And the church said, amen and amen. Praise God. Woo. Thank you for being patient. Listen, if you need prayer for anything, we'll be up here. If not, God bless you and good night.